welcome to the Today I Am Enough podcast. I am your host, Kara Murray, and I am so excited to share stories with you of people who have bravely struggled. They will share how they are getting through, but still find peace and joy in their journey. On today's episode, we will be hearing Grant's story. His mom, Lori, is joining us, and she will share their journey of finding a new normal with Grant's type 1 diabetes. Hello, welcome to the Today I Am Enough podcast. I'm so excited to have one of my friends from college, way back when it seems like, uh, Lori here with me today, and she is going to go ahead and introduce herself really quick. Hi, I'm Lori Sheets, and um, like Kara said, we went to college together, and we have great Oakcrest girls camp roots together <laughs> and working in the dish room together Yay. in Nauvoo. <laughs> um, um. But I'm excited to be here. Um, a little bit about me. I have uh, four kids. They are almost 10, 7, almost 5, and 4 months old. So um, my husband and I moved here to Utah about three years ago. And before that, we moved around for the first 10 years of marriage and lived in Southern California and um, Virginia and Chicago and the Seattle area. And now we are back here where I'm from. And so it's great to be here in Utah. Like I said earlier, Lori and I went to a semester of college in Illinois for a little while together. And it was so fun. And I'm excited she's back in Utah. We ran into each other last year, almost a year ago, I think. Mm-hmm. So it's fun to just see each other and chat. It's been years and years, I think, since we'd seen each other before that. So how long has it been since Grant's story started? A, f- um, a few months? Grant was diagnosed when he was two and a half. And how old is he now? And now he'll be five in oh, So it's May. been a while. Mm-hmm. So about so, two and a half years. And I, um, I remember seeing on probably social media you posting about Grant and I was just, I was excited that you're willing to share his story because I think it's important to make people aware. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things that symptoms are just regular symptoms of other things unless you know what to look for so, yeah, and right. how to talk to your doctor. So why don't you tell us what Grant was diagnosed with and how that all happened and how you found out about it and all your story. Okay. So, um, Grant was diagnosed with type one diabetes when he was two and a half and we, um, it just totally blindsided us. We had no idea. It was not on our radar. Um, and it was funny after he was diagnosed and I joined this Facebook support group thing for families with type one diabetes and someone commented and said, welcome to the club that no one ever expects to be a part of. (laughs) And I thought that is so true. Like it just, nobody ever expects it. I think when their child is diagnosed with type one diabetes. Yeah. And it's, um, so type one diabetes is juvenile diabetes. So most people are diagnosed, um, when they're between the most common ages are between ages six and 18. Um, but there also is adult onset type one diabetes as well. So anyway, I might get sidetracked by like facts or things. You're fine. um, But with Grant, we didn't really recognize the symptoms until um, they came on really strong. So 
He was two and a half. We started potty training because he was waking up dry at mm-hmm. night. And we thought, okay, like, let's go ahead and start working on potty training. And he was doing fine. And then all of a sudden, out of the blue, he just started drinking a ton of water like crazy and started wetting the bed like crazy and having to go to the bathroom all the time. And so we put him back in diapers. I thought, well, maybe we're like stressing him out with the potty training and we need to just, you know, cut back and then try again later or something. So we put him back in diapers at night and then he started soaking, like just totally saturating the diapers. And so it was like two diapers in one night and then three diapers the next. And this was just in a matter of like one week's time that it was just progressing really fast. And I thought this is not normal. And so I Googled it, of course. Yeah. <laughs> what else do you do? Right. So I... Scare, doctor Googled it scares you. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So I Googled the symptom, you know, of just like extreme bedwetting and thirst. And type 1 diabetes was the first thing that popped up. And I read through the list of symptoms, um, common symptoms, and I just, I just knew. I was like 99.9% sure that that's what it was. And then I realized after reading through that list of symptoms, like, oh, yeah, he has been really lethargic and tired, and he has lost some weight, and he has um, been irritable and grumpy. We just thought he was, like, the worst two-year-old ever because <laughs> it was, like, this six-month period, really from, like, right around the time he turned two until, you know, two and a half when he was diagnosed, um, it was, like, he was just really rough. And before that, he was, like, the best, easiest baby toddler mm-hmm. ever, and so it was we just thought he was a horrible two-year-old, but it was really that he was dealing with the, all these symptoms from um, the diabetes. And so after I Googled it, it was actually the Thanksgiving night that I Googled it. So then the following morning, I called our pediatrician and they said, come right in. They checked his blood sugar right away. Um, and I didn't I didn't mention that it, I thought it was type 1 diabetes. I just said, these are his symptoms. I knew that when we went in that I would, if they didn't um, check his blood sugar, that I would insist on having them check it. Mm-hmm. Um, but thankfully, our office was, they have a lot of experience with it. I guess there are like five different doctors on the on the team that's throughout the valley in the different locations that have children with type 1 diabetes. So they're like very aware. But that's not always the case. So that's yeah. the scary thing is the symptoms, like you said, can look like other things. And so it's not always caught right away. Mm-hmm. Um, but they checked his blood sugar right away, and they immediately um, looked over the, the results and came back in and told me that he he definitely has type one diabetes. And so I, you know, I was relieved, like just like okay, like that's what I thought it was, like yeah. good. I know that like my husband's uncle has it, and um, you know he's seemed fine like I didn't we didn't know much about it but he lived a normal life and seemed fine so I was like okay like we can we can handle this and so then she and the nurse though was kind of like like do you understand because I had this like relieved (laughs) expression or like yeah and she's like do you understand what this means like and I was like well, you know, kind of. And she's like, we need to send him to the emergency room immediately to the hospital. Mm-hmm. She said, you can go to Primary Children's Hospital or you can go um, to Utah Valley down south. And um, she said, if you can't take him right away, I'll call an ambulance and we'll have him picked up. And she, and I, she's like, so if you promise to take him straight there, then you can take him. And I was like, okay. okay. <laughs> so like, I, cu- I call my husband. And at that point in the car, then like... It all came. Yes. <laughs> then the tears you. start, you know, falling like, oh, my goodness. And so 
We got the other kids all situated, raced him up to primary children's. And actually, I had my husband take him. I said, I'll get the kid situated. You take him. I just, like, need a minute to, like, Collect pull it together. Yeah. Um, and so he took him. They did more tests and everything, checked him into the hospital. Um, and we dropped, I dropped the kids, our older kids off with my in-laws. And then in the hospital, they, um, they told us that had we waited, had it even been another 72 hours, um, he would have gone into diabetic ketoacidosis, which is where it's really serious and mm-hmm. can be deadly, life-threatening. And so um, we felt just so relieved and so blessed that we caught it when we did. He didn't even have to be put on an IV. There was no wow. like immediate danger because we just caught it just in time. Um, wow. So then in the hospital, it's really a matter of, I mean, they start, they start administering the insulin and like getting his blood sugar back in check and things, but, but they require you to stay for a full 72 hours for a full three days because you have to go through all this training and yeah. just learn how to take care of your child now with this, with this um, new disease. And so we stayed in the hospital with him for three days and, and did a bunch of training. And he loved it. He, like, to this day, he loves the hospital. Anytime we go to a hospital, he's excited. Like, he thought it was the best thing because they've just brought yeah. him all this yummy food and they brought in toys. And he, yeah. I'm, I'm glad that he has, like, a positive experience. Yeah, he had a very positive experience. And Primary Children's Hospital, Amazing. as you know, is just incredible. Yeah. I was just floored by how incredible they are there. Yeah, they're amazing. So what was the hardest thing that you had to learn in that training like what was the most difficult part of that 72 hours um even well just obviously the initial thing is like we have to give this we have to give shots like (laughs) we have to do needles and give shots and my husband is terrified he was terrified of needles like he honestly would he would pass out when he had to give blood or like get a shot mm-hmm. as a as a teenager? Right? I may or may not know someone like that. <laughs> so it was like, and they're like, you can, you know, they're teaching us. And they're like, you can practice on each other, and both of us are like, uh, uh-uh. <laughs> like we don't. And oh my like, gosh, I could never. Do they're <laughs> like, like, maybe I could if I had. To I know. Well, it's just one of those things. And my husband says, like, he's like in the car. So then he, you know, we kind of would switch off. So like, I'd be at the hospital. He went mm-hmm. home for the night with the kids, and then. He said on the way back, he's like, I just kind of had this moment of like praying and just, I just, I, he's like, I just knew I needed to just get over it. You know, I just, my fear of needles could not be an issue anymore. And he's like some, and I just, you know, said one of the, like the strongest prayers of my life and it worked and he was able to come (laughs) to the hospital and just do it and yeah, it was for me. It was like a miracle. I was like, yeah, that would we, be though. Like, like really, yeah, it's a big deal. Uh huh. And to have, I mean, it's already a, a big burden to carry on your shoulders to have to be responsible for providing the insulin, you know, for mm-hmm. someone else's body for with every meal. And I thought, like, I can't do this by myself. You know, <laughs> like yeah. I need Paul to be able to to do, do it too. And so he did. He jumped right in. He arose to the challenge, and we practiced on oranges. Oh, that's a great idea. Yes, so they they let you practice on an orange first, and then you kind of work your way up. Um, But then, and then in addition to that, the counting the carbs, just learning how to count carbs, and then do the math of, like, how much insulin per carb that they need. And there's, like, a chart that you follow. And then as the child grows, they need more insulin. So it's always, like, adjusting. Um, And so just understanding how the whole, how it all works was like, 
um, a little bit overwhelming, a, a lot overwhelming <laughs> in the beginning. So how did it go when you went home? Like, so how, what were the adjustments that you... We were, like, terrified to go home because... We, we thought we're never going to be able to like go out to restaurants again. Like how are we even, you know, like mm-hmm. it just felt so overwhelming and the thought and, you know, and then like giving shots um, all the time, like just doing one meal, it added on in the beginning, it felt like an extra 15 to 20 minutes of um, counting the carbs, getting it, you know, um, getting his plate all served up and like figuring out how much we think he's actually going to eat because he's just, a, you know, a toddler and you don't know. <laughs> and so you have to guess. Who knows how long they'll sit there and actually, and yeah. what they'll eat. And... Yeah, and then you're trying to, and then if you do, you dose them so much insulin for so many carbs, and so if they don't eat it, then you're trying to, like, fill in, like, okay, we'll have a little bit of juice or, mm-hmm. you know, something else. Like counteract the extra insulin. Yeah, because if, if you don't get them enough carbs for the insulin, they have too much insulin, and then they become hypoglycemic, and, they, and then they're serious. I mean, that is life-threatening too yeah. there's serious side effects and so i mean insulin is like it's and it's like liquid gold we call it because it's life's you know it saves yeah. diabetics lives they could not live without insulin but at the same time if they are given if anyone has too much insulin it's deadly and so it's just this balance of constantly keeping it in check so it's that's crazy yeah it's just a constant battle so how have you been able to teach him to be able to like as he's gotten older does he understand it does he like help you guys figure things out yet um it's been interesting as he's gotten older he's gotten more he's actually kind of gotten more um rebellious I guess (laughs) (laughs) he's become more aware and more he asks us now like you know probably every few weeks when is my diabetes going to go away? Oh. You know, so now he's just more aware of like, I have this thing. I don't like it. And my friends don't have it. Yeah. My, my friends don't, don't have to do this. Ever. He goes to preschool and you know, the, mm-hmm. depending on what the snack is in the beginning of preschool, I would just send him with like cheese and like, um, beef jerky or something. Cause those have zero carbs. Right. And so his, so his blood sugar wouldn't get too out of whack and I didn't want to have to go in every day to preschool and dose him for the snack because I just right. needed those couple of hours to do other things. Yeah. Um, but then as we've gotten further in the preschool year, then I, now, then I've, I've gotten more comfortable with like, I can give him a little bit more insulin and then I know this is what he's going to have for snack and mm-hmm. the timing works out that he'll be okay. And of course we've like trained his teacher on how it all works and yeah. stuff. Um, and she's had kids with type 1 diabetes before, which is oh, a, a big awesome. reason why we sent him to this preschool but last year I actually did our own preschool at my house because I was Mm -hmm. so nervous to just send him away and not I just didn't know what I was doing well and I wasn't confident enough yet in managing it and so we had seven other little kids come to our house and we did a preschool class and it was super fun and ended up being a great experience but how does he react now when he first started he was he's he was super brave like we felt like his personality was like the perfect fit for it because he's Mm -hmm. always been like a very much a rule follower. Yeah. We would call him the reinforcer in our house because he would let us know if, if his older siblings were doing anything (laughs) wrong. And like, he just was always very aware of like Mm -hmm. what the rules are and following the rules. And we thought his, that's like perfect. Like if we were going through this with one of our other kids, it would be so much harder. He, he did so well. Um, and he was, he was, um, he has a very high pain tolerance. So like getting his finger pricked did not, 
face him at all, just right from the start, where even that is an issue with a lot of little kids. Um, He didn't love the shots, but he wouldn't, he wouldn't cry. He wouldn't throw a fit, you know, where that could be a battle every single time, depending on the kid. And so we felt so blessed, like so fortunate that that was the case with him. Um, And then as he's gotten older, though, he um, has become more aware. And we've talked to him about, you know, like there's not a cure, but there's the, you know, these things that we're so lucky to have that can help you. And so we've been able to get um, a glucose monitor, a continuous glucose monitor. So that constantly monitors. It's this little, um, oval thing that goes on his, we put it on the back of his arm and it sends, um, it, it reads the amount of glucose in his blood at any given, like every five seconds, it's taking a reading. It's really fascinating. Like it's the technology poked into him somehow. Yeah. So there's like a tiny little needle Needle? that goes into his skin Mm -hmm. and it doesn't quite go into his bloodstream. It's like, Mm -hmm. I can't even describe exactly how it works, (laughs) but somehow it's able to gather that information. And then he has this little, he has to wear this belt all the time with, um, the receiver on it and the receiver will beep when he, um, is high or low, so we have the setting set up. So that so that is such a like like a literal lifesaver in the middle of the night because it yeah. beeps and will wake us up oh, if he good. needs um, food or if he needs insulin, depending on if he's high or low. Mm-hmm. And then um, we also were able to get an insulin pump. So rather than having to give him shots mm-hmm. six times a day, which we were doing for the first six months, and we were fortunate because usually they make you wait for a year before mm-hmm. you can get an insulin pump. Um, but our, somehow the stars aligned and our insurance and our doctor and everyone, um, it worked out so that we were able to get it after about six months. And so that we just have to change his pump site, which again is like a little catheter needle that goes mm-hmm. into his skin on, on his little bum. And that's how we dose him. So we switched that every 72 hours. Um, and then we're able to give him insulin that way. So he's not getting poked and prodded quite as yeah. much. That's great. It's, you know, I feel bad for him because he's he's a little preschooler, you know, and he's has to wear this this little fanny pack basically mm-hmm. with these two pretty clunky things in it, and that's what he. And then he's got the tubing, you know, to, that goes to his pump site, and mm-hmm. that's what he's running around and jumping on the trampoline and climbing on the swings. And he, I mean, he's great. He sleeps with it. It, it doesn't phase him, but it's hard as a mom sometimes to be like. You know, and other kids look and wonder like what, why he has it or what mm-hmm. it's for and stuff. Have any like has he had any experience of kids being mean to him? He, I or have you seen that happen at all? I can't think of any. We've I think he, it, we've been really fortunate that way so far. Um, I, I don't feel like it's something kids can really be mean about, but you know, we're not right. Well, yeah, and I think but. it's more an issue like. If he's playing at a friend's house and then his monitor beeps, they're like, right, you have to go home. You know, that's like oh. the harder thing. Like, go home and get it fixed. Have your mom, you know, whether yeah. you whatever you need to do. And then you can come back. And so, you know, he'll come in the door like, oh, <laughs> like, Here I am. they sent me home because I'm beeping. Like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's hurry and fix it. You can go back and play. That's you so know, funny. it's just, he just has to deal with a lot more than the average. Yeah. Well, and hopefully as he gets older, though, he'll understand what those mean and he can just kind of yes help himself with yes. it instead. Yeah, that's like the goal, right? Definitely <laughs> on our mind, you know, that we have to keep that in mind. Like it will get easier as he gets older, he'll be able to manage it more mm-hmm. and he'll be able to tell us more like how he's feeling. Yeah. That's another hard thing when they're so young 
they can't they can't identify like what's wrong or say yeah. like my blood sugar's low, I need a snack. Mm-hmm. Where it's a constant like guessing game, especially before before we got his glucose monitor. It was like we would think like <laughs> we try to watch his symptoms, like how he's acting, and like oh he looks high. And then nope, he's like totally dropping low, or like we were we were off all the time. Like <laughs> we're like we're never gonna figure this out. And now I think we're we're much better now, but it, we're still not always right. Or yeah. we're like he's like totally acting out and just being so difficult, and we think like oh his blood sugar must be really high right now, and we check it and it's like perfect. Like oh nope, he's just being a four year old <laughs> right now. Oh, so that's funny. Um. Have you, has it ever been a struggle, well, what's been the biggest struggle, like, as a mom watching through the whole process? Like, what's, does that make sense? I think the biggest struggle is just the physical demands of it, like, not being able to sleep through the night still, you know, like, getting woken up all the time to have to make sure that it's, um that his numbers are in a good spot and and then like you know with every meal with my you know I've got my Mm -hmm. other kids that I'm trying to feed and take care of and especially now with a baby which we honestly when he was diagnosed we thought we're done having kids like there's no way we can have more kids and Mm -hmm. like handle all this but then it was made clear to us that we weren't (laughs) (laughs) there was another one waiting to come to our family but so we did it but it has been hard like we it's you know trying to nurse the baby and trying to make sure that we're getting him dosed before now that he's big enough to go find his own food you know he'll go just like get into the pantry and grab some food and if I don't catch him or see him eating it then later on his blood sugar is like out of control and I have to figure out why or how to fix it and so it just I just feel like the I don't know the physical and then and this like the stress and the emotional wear is like the hardest part probably well when you I think by that age you're like oh you're gonna be you're okay like especially when you have a baby like you're okay just go run off but that's not the case right and so it just makes it and he would be happy to just run off it's like (laughs) I'm like no do not leave like I need to like make sure you're okay yeah or we need to fix this first and he's like no I just want I'll just go play with my friends (laughs) and so just that balance of it all yeah yeah the joys Mm-hmm. Um, so what would you tell parents that are struggling, that are just starting, that are worried that, you know, I don't know, like what should people look for? What would you say to someone that's just found out? Um, Does that make sense? Yeah. Know. No, that's like the main <laughs> like reason I was like. Rambling question. <laughs> I thought, I don't love the sound of my own voice, but I will do this podcast because I think it's so important to raise awareness and to tell parents who are just starting out that it does get easier. So for those that have just had a child diagnosed, um, they tell you like, you know, you'll find your new normal and, you know, life will go on. And at the time, it does not feel like that. Yeah. But I now can attest that it does (laughs) happen and it, and you, you will find your new normal and you will be able to go out to restaurants, you know, out to eat again and you can have more kids and you can, you know, do all these things that you feel like in the moment, like that you can't do. And it's almost like you go through a grieving process. Like, at, well, at first I was just relieved, you know, that it mm-hmm. wasn't um, something more serious. That yeah. was something, there's not a cure, but there is um, medical help. 
that makes it possible to, you know, live mm-hmm. a pretty much a regular life with yeah. it. Um, so, and especially when you're in primary children's hospital and you see these other children there and what all these other families yeah. are facing, like you cannot help but feel like so grateful Grateful. and just lucky and um that you know at the time that that you're not it's not something worse it's Mm -hmm. something more serious so um so we were relieved in the beginning and then um then you get home and then you're like doing the day-to-day and it's like totally overwhelming and you feel like life is never going to be the same again um but you start to figure it out but then there's also this grieving process I think where you are mourning the life that you had yeah. Where you're, where then you do start to feel a little bit bad for yourself, or feel, <laughs> or you look back at these pictures and like, oh, remember when we were able to like, just freely go and do all these things or freely travel? You know, my mm-hmm. husband and I have not left our kids at all overnight since he was diagnosed because nobody else knows how to mm-hmm. meet all of his medical needs, um, like we do. And I shouldn't say nobody else. We're starting to like. <laughs> realize like you're really paranoid in the beginning right yeah because it's so scary and you don't want anything to happen to your child um but now we're starting to realize there are more options you know I'm sure there are lots of great college age girls that have type 1 diabetes that would be yeah super amazing at taking care of Grant while we went on a trip or mm-hmm. something you know so there are solutions and answers and so you kind of feel like alone and isolated like even our parents can't really help us with this like yeah. nobody can help it just except for you know, me and my husband to meet his needs, but there really are resources and our parents are learning and they've been great and they want to learn and help take care of him and stuff. And so, and right now he's with my mom, you know, and she's able to feed him lunch and give him his insulin. And so it just takes a little bit of time, but it, it will come. Um, but you do, you just, there's a lot more to think about. And if we do go on trips, we have to pack all of his supplies with us and make sure we have yeah. enough insulin and, and that it's, you know, refrigerated and all those things. Um, but that's what I would say to someone who has recently had a child diagnosed, I think, um, is just to hang on and know that there's hope for regular, for life to feel regular and, and happy and normal again. Um, as far as, uh, warning signs. This is really important too because autoimmune disease. So um, I guess I didn't even explain what type one diabetes is, <laughs> but <laughs> it's an it's actually an autoimmune disease. So it's totally different than type two diabetes. Yeah. And um, the way that it works is your pancreas produces insulin. Um, well, your pancreas produces the insulin. So the cells that create insulin they go into the bloodstream and then they help your body to they break down the sugar in your bloodstream so your body can use it for energy and different things. Um, I'm obviously not a medical expert, so... <laughs> so we I, just need basics. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm sure someone else could explain it better than I am. But, That's good. Um, but the, for whatever reason, the immune system tells the pancreas to kill off all of those cells that create insulin. Hmm. So your body gradually loses the s- cells over time. So like with Grant they were able to look back and see that like his body started attacking his um, pancreas or his, ins- his insulin producing cells like six months before we right had him check. Yeah, like right around the time he turned two. So, um, so that's why, so the body attacks those cells and then you don't have insulin anymore. And so that's why we have to inject the insulin so that his body can break down the sugar and the sugar doesn't just keep building up in his blood and then cause problems. 
Um, so that's what type 1 diabetes is. So autoimmune diseases as a whole, we learned, are increasing, are growing. Like mm-hmm. the amount of, of people, and I think you like kind of noticed that with like celiac or like, you know, food mm-hmm. allergies and things like that. Um, and type 1 diabetes is increasing too. And so parents, it's really important for parents to be aware of the warning signs um, because it's just becoming more common for kids to have it, even though it's still... Um, if you take total diabetics, type one and type two, type one diabetics are only 5%. This is the last I read 5% of the full diabetic population. Like it's still very rare. Or if you think, um, my husband and I were just crunching the numbers at lunch. It's, um, like 0.3% of the world population has type one diabetes. So three people in a thousand. Um, so that means like in our huge elementary school, there's maybe, an average of three kids that have type 1 diabetes. Um, but it's growing. And to the point that when we went to the hospital, they said, you'll for the rest of Grant's life, he'll need to come in for checkups every three months and ha- to have his A1C, that's like mm-hmm. your overall, how your overall blood sugar is doing, to have that checked and make sure his pump settings are good and adjust like his dosage of insulin and stuff because as they grow, that changes. And then... Um, after our first couple of visits, they said, well, we're, we have to push it to four months because we have so many kids that are coming and we don't have enough doctors to wow. accommodate them all. And now it's five months. Now yeah. we go in every five months. And so it's growing. And that, I mean, that's hard. It's more pressure on us because we have, we don't have that extra help every, you yeah. know, as frequently um, to go in and get support from the doctor. But we, they're great. At, we call primary children's anytime and the nurses will help us and answer questions. That's good. Um, but let me tell you the, just the basic list of warning signs. And this is what I read. Okay. So drowsiness or lethargy, extreme thirst, frequent urination, fruity odor on the breath. And he, he had that too. Increased appetite, heavy or labored breathing, sudden weight loss, sudden vision changes, sugar in the urine and stupor or unconsciousness. So that's like getting to the extreme, the unconsciousness. Um, but if you see, if you start to notice any of those symptoms, if you know someone that just has a glucometer that they use to check their, like someone with type two diabetes that just checks their blood sugar with it, you can ask them to, um, just to prick your child's finger and check their blood sugar. Mm -hmm. And immediately, you know, right away if they're, you know, in the five hundreds or even in the three hundreds, that is not normal. You should be right around 100 is kind of the safe, normal range. But if you've just eaten something, then, you know, it would be higher or... Yeah. Um, but anyway, Grant was in the 500s when he wow. was checked. So it was very obvious that that was what it was. What has been the biggest lesson you've learned about Grant and about yourself through this? Um, lessons learned... Um, for my, I've learned a lot about myself and it's interesting because as much of a challenge as it was in the beginning, I feel like it has also been like a blessing for me and my family because of the lessons we've learned and the empathy that we have gained through mm-hmm. our experience. Um, I've definitely learned to, well, I'm still learning this, um, to not be a perfectionist. And this, it's like, it's a humbling thing because it's not something you can just learn and master yeah. and be done with. 
it's always changing. And so Mm -hmm. as much as my husband and I want to feel like we'll just work really hard, we'll figure it out, and we'll move on, that's not the case. It's not easy. Yeah, because the body's always doing different things, and for whatever reason it might um, react differently to a, a food at different times and so our insulin dose you know wasn't quite right and so he you know had high blood sugar and you just like you feel bad all the time because you're totally responsible for how he's feeling and so Mm -hmm. if you don't get it right then you know he's he's feeling um awful I don't even know how to describe how he feels because I don't know exactly I just know he feels bad and he's grumpy and he's yeah mad um how have you learned to not get on yourself when that happens yeah so it's just it's been such a lesson in in just being patient with yourself and just recognizing that this is not something we can be perfect at and it's okay to not be perfect Mm -hmm. and the doctor tells us that all the time like when we go in for his checkups they check his number and he's right on target or doing better than what they expect for that age because it's so hard to manage Mm -hmm. when they're so young and so that's they're always so kind and reassuring of like, you guys are doing a great job, you know, like just keep doing what you're doing. It's, you know, it will mm-hmm. never be perfect. You'll never have it perfect with a, a young child like that. And so, um, we've just had to learn to be patient with ourselves and patient with each other Yeah. because one of us might, you know, dose him a certain amount and the other one may disagree with how much that is. And mm-hmm. so then they're high or low. And then you're up in the middle of the night having to deal with that. Yeah. Like, so our mar- it's been like very, it puts a lot of pressure and stress on a marriage. But at the same time, it also strengthens a marriage because you are relying on each other in a whole new way yeah. and like communicating in a whole new way and like problem solving and working through um, these difficult situations in a whole new way. Um, and so it's been good that way. And I think we've learned, you know, patience with each other and just... Um, to uh we pray a lot (laughs) and I honestly think Grant has like a team like a whole team of guardian angels that are just always with him like I (laughs) here we go (laughs) I really do um there's been times where he there's one time where he ran off and I thought he was just going across the street to the neighbor's house um and I called her, you know, like, hey, can you send Grant home? And she's like, Grant's not here. <laughs> and then I was just terrified because obviously it's terrifying if one of your kids gets lost. But then if a kid with diabetes gets lost, there yeah. are obviously extra ramifications if their blood sugar goes low or something. And we looked and looked and looked. And I finally had the impression to go check at the house behind theirs. He had gone through their backyard and went to the neighbor's house in their back door <laughs> with his little friend who was over there playing. But this was an older couple. I never would have thought to check out their house. It was mm-hmm. this, just a sweet elderly couple. And he's just in there sitting at the counter eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches with his little friend that had also come over. Um, and I walked in and I was just so relieved but the, and um, grateful that I found it. And I'm sure we would have eventually, I mean, they didn't know whose kid, kid he was. <laughs> like... We didn't know. We were newer in the neighborhood. He was diagnosed within the first year of us moving here and moving into our house, um, which was also a tender mercy because we moved close to family um, where we didn't have any family, you know, where we lived before. But um, 
anyway, I just, there have been so many times like that where mm-hmm. I feel like we have, you know, we have found him or we've woken up in the middle of the night and just, or just thought like, oh, I should check his blood sugar when for like, you know, no apparent reason or, or where he's come up in the middle of the night where we haven't woken up, we haven't heard his monitor beeping and he's come up and been dangerously low and just woken us up and said, I need a snack, which is like a miracle to me because he yeah. could have just slept right through that. And, yeah. you know, um, and so I just feel like we're very blessed and he has a great team of help yeah. <laughs> behind him. That's amazing. Thank you. Um, the last thing I think I would share is just if you see anything um, with a JDRF on it. I don't know if you've seen fundraisers or posters around, like when they do the Santa Claus at the Riverwoods, Shops at the Riverwoods, that's usually hosted by JDRF, mm-hmm. and that stands for Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation. Oh, cool. Um, and so if you feel so inclined, um, I'd love support of those of that foundation because they're doing research to find a cure for type 1 diabetes, which is incredible. And the medical advances are amazing that have happened so far. When Paul's uncle was diagnosed, he was eight years old. He is in his 60s now. And the life expectancy, they told his grandma that her son would live to 28. Wow. Which I can't even imagine. Um, I mean, yeah. And he's, you know, he's done great and he's been so blessed and he has been able to live a long, uh, full life. But um, the medical advances have been incredible. And so the as people donate and support these foundations, they're able to do more and more research to mm-hmm. increase like how effective the insulin pumps are and the glucose monitors and things like that, even if there's even if we don't have a cure to have these um, these this medical equipment that makes it possible for yeah. them to function without this extreme highs and extreme lows um, is amazing. And we're, we're really excited. They just introduced um, a pump and a monitor that talk to each other. So if he starts to go low, the pump it will tell the pump to turn off and stop giving hmm. him insulin. And so the, cool. there's not nearly as big of a risk. Or if he goes high, then it will tell the pump to give him more insulin. Um, so we're working toward getting him on one of those. But they just keep coming up with um, incredible technology to help. Um, and hopefully... You know, eventually there'll be a there will be a cure. I'm hopeful that even by the time he's you know out of the house and going to college, I think his life will be a lot easier just yeah. with how quickly they're able to um, um, keep advancing in the technology. And um, when you think about it too, they have to go. Th- I think they have to be go through the FDA for like seven years before they're released. Wow. And so what we have now is like barbaric yeah like, when like you a look dinosaur at this, like when you look at the screen of his insulin pump it's like it reminds you of the old computers like yeah. the dos system uh-huh. uh, which is interesting but anyway so jdrf is a great foundation if you um want to support type 1 diabetes research perfect i'll link that on the page so people can find that and look more into it also thank you so much Lori. i appreciate you sharing his story you're welcome Thanks for listening to this episode. If you loved it, share it so more people can be uplifted and inspired. Make sure to subscribe so you get all the notifications when a new episode is posted. If you have a minute, I would love it if you would take time to leave an iTunes review on this podcast. When you do this, it helps more people be able to find and listen to our podcast. 
Thank you so much. And always remember that today you are enough.